Let us turn in God's holy word to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and we'll begin reading with verse 26. You can find it on page 1263 in your pew Bible. Acts 8, and we'll begin reading with verse 26, and we'll read through verse 40. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a, lamb, as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, Of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came out, up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. May he also bless the exposition of it. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the most uh, blessed times in ministry is when you're able to draw out of someone A confession, even as Philip did here with the Ethiopian eunuch, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so, goes without saying, confession of faith class is one of my favorite parts of ministry is to be able to instruct you and to walk alongside you and provide counsel to you as we confess our faith. And it's very interesting 
as you seek to draw out that confession. Each one of you have come to that confession in a different way, in a personal way. And sometimes, coming to that confession didn't even begin with seeking Jesus. It came seeking relief from struggles. came looking for answers that you were grappling with questions that didn't seem to have answers. And as we get to know one another and draw that out, we all come to the very same place, don't we? The need for a Savior. The need for Jesus Christ. And I'd like to take you to Acts chapter 8. Because here we find someone who is not necessarily like many of the other apostles, or even Philip himself, much less like the Jews who were in Jerusalem. And it's very encouraging to know also in our own class that we have some who have not always been with us, and that gives us great reason to rejoice as a congregation and welcome you into our fellowship. Others who have struggled with things that not everybody struggles with. And yet, to be able to be gathered together to confess the same Christ for a needy sinner, it causes our hearts to rejoice, truly. But I can only think in heaven how much more joy there is even than we have in our hearts. I'd like to take you to another time of great rejoicing. That's maybe not as evident, the great rejoicing of a lot of people, but there must have been great rejoicing in heaven when this Ethiopian eunuch confessed, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'd like to look at this with the theme, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we're going to see that in, in three thoughts. First of all, this is a confession that comes from a discouraged traveler. And secondly, this confession comes through divine appointment. And thirdly, this confession comes with distinct results. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a confession from a discouraged traveler through divine appointment with distinct results. As we look at the scene of this chapter, chapter 8 of Acts, especially after verse 26, we find Philip and this man from Ethiopia. There are two main human characters in this story. But let us not forget that God is the main character. And he uses human means to accomplish his purpose and his, to his glory. Philip is one of the deacons that were to assist the apostles. In this case, also Philip becomes an evangelist as they begin to be scattered throughout the world. And he is one who is faithful in all that he does. He's certainly a humble man in humble obedience to God. It's no wonder then we read when 
God tells him to go and rise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Immediately he rose and he went. He rose and he went. And he goes to a man from Ethiopia. Very likely this man was from somewhere now in Sudan, just under Egypt. Not Ethiopia maybe as we know it. But he had been in Jerusalem, and he had come there to worship God, to search for God. This isn't just a short travel. This, this required a long distance of travel, several weeks of, of travel. And he's in search of, of God and of truth. Certainly the gods of his own culture must not have been very fulfilling, and he was enamored with Judaism. And he was going to Jerusalem to worship. We don't know exactly what his experience was in Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we can know that it must not have been very fulfilling, even as he encourages Philip to come up into the chariot and explain what he's reading. He seems a little bit frustrated. He certainly doesn't appear to have met with any Christians there or the Christian faith. It doesn't appear as if he had heard anything about Jesus at this time while he was in Jerusalem. Certainly, uh, he was there in line with the Jewish religion, Judaism. And it left him actually emptier than when he came. Very possibly he had great hope and expectation to come to Jerusalem. And he leaves, it seems as if he's empty and beaten down. And there could be reasons for that. Because we know that a foreigner wasn't even allowed very far into the temple. He was, he was only allowed into the courts of the Gentiles. And couldn't go and, and really see it. Because, because really a foreigner, a Gentile, he's referred to, referred to as, as really a dog. Someone who... who really wasn't worthy to be included in worship. The worship of Jehovah. And certainly he wasn't going to sneak in. I mean, he's from Africa after all. He's going to stand out. Probably not even the same skin color as the rest of him. Plus he very likely had a caravan with him and, and certainly he'd draw attention to himself. He would have certainly stuck out in a crowd. But even more than that, he was a eunuch. He was a eunuch. That's emphasized in our passage four times that he was a eunuch. He was emasculated or castrated. And there were pragmatic reasons for the queen, Queen Candace, to have people who served in high positions to, to, to be castrated. They'd take away any desire for, for marital relations or, or to have children. And so... So therefore, he could give his complete service to Queen Candace. He was her chief financial officer, as it were, of her whole treasury. He was probably a nobody to the Jews there in Jerusalem, but to the rest of the world, he was a man of significant reputation. A eunuch with great authority. After all, he was riding in a chariot, likely surrounded by a caravan. And that signaled great wealth. Most people just traveled on foot in those days. If you were prosperous and wealthy, you would probably travel on a donkey. But if you were really wealthy, you would travel in a chariot. 
And here he is traveling in a chariot. But despite all of this wealth and influence, he was a eunuch. And even the law of God in Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 said that those who were emasculated were not allowed to enter the assembly of the Lord. Would that be why he wasn't received very well in Jerusalem? We don't know for certain. We don't even know for certain how he left, but he did not leave empty-handed. We know that. He left with the scroll of Isaiah. But the things he saw and heard as, as he witnessed it in Jerusalem and as he read the scroll of Isaiah, they just weren't adding up. We could only imagine if, if we had only Isaiah, we didn't have Genesis all the way up to the Song of Solomon. We didn't have any of that. Or we didn't have anything after that. And we were only reading Isaiah, we would also be very confused. And that was adding to his discouragement. But maybe practically in our own lives we can identify with this in some ways. Sometimes we are excited to go somewhere. Or maybe even to a special worship service. And we're excited and we leave downcast and for various reasons. Maybe all kinds of distractions. Maybe certain feelings crept into our mind and, and we recognize that who could ever ascend to the hill of the Lord except He who has a pure heart and clean hands. And, and we recognize how far we fall short of His glory. And we feel so unworthy when we don't know where to turn. Sometimes we feel like we're not even fit or worthy of being in the worship of God. Other times we enter the church doors with all kinds of excitement and you overhear someone saying something negative about you or someone else. People looking down their noses thinking, do you really belong here in our church? Satan provides all kinds of foxes to come and to steal the food of the children. Maybe sometimes you think, well, if only I could do what some of the others can do. I could rehearse line after line of Scripture and line after line of doctrine, but I feel like I don't know enough and I'm struggling with that. And you think, well, the church must not be for me. All kinds of discouragements also happen in our day. Maybe you're one of those discouraged ones. Beat down by the world. Beat down even by Christians. You can imagine this castrated Gentile dog must have been discouraged. It was evident by the very road he took. He took the road less traveled. There were two roads that led from Jerusalem down to Gaza. One was a very popular road. It was thanks to the Romans who built it, and, and it was an easy highway to go on, and everybody took it. But then there was this road that was less traveled. And he took the less traveled road. He wanted to be alone. Here he is, discouraged. 
on this dusty road back to Candace's court. But knowing what we know about God and His grace and about the Lord Jesus Christ and His compassion for people in desert places and the power of His Word, we look at that scroll that's laying on the lap of this Ethiopian eunuch and we say, oh, just wait! There's something that's going to come to cheer your soul. Oh, dear discouraged travelers, Take time for those desert places. A road less traveled. Take time in the midst of a world that's filled with all kinds of hustle and bustle. A world that doesn't put any emphasis on spiritual activity at all. If you look at the main road of this world, you would say it has no, wants nothing to do with Christianity and spirituality. The world might look at you. You mean you take time for some devotions in your life? You mean on Sunday, the only, one of the only days you have off, you're going to go to church and worship? Me going to raise your children and teach them about the Bible? The main road thinks they're crazy. But it's in those desert places. It's in those places that God pours out His Spirit and blesses richly at His appointed time. That's what we see secondly. It's a confession from a discouraged traveler through divine appointment. There's appointed place and appointed time. It's a desert place. That's God's appointed place. And it's in his time. And for Philip, this is terrible timing. Philip is ministering in Samaria and the church is growing and there's so much excitement. They're on fire for the Lord. They're being filled with the Spirit and people are coming to know Jesus. Certainly, Philip, you can't leave now. And yet it's God who sends his messengers where he will, even to this black sheep in the desert. It doesn't seem logical to leave the 90 and 9 and go chase after that one black sheep, but that's God's will. That's God's appointment. And he uses appointed means to fulfill it. He uses his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes Philip to this chariot. And he says to him, go near and overtake this chariot. And so he does. He's led by the Holy Spirit. He's one, as we read in Acts 6 verse 3, he's full of the Holy Spirit. And here even, as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Spirit through Philip, is about to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ here in this wilderness, in this desert, that whoever, even Ethiopian eunuchs, whoever believes in Him, in Jesus Christ, might be saved. And so he takes the Word of God. The Spirit blesses the means of the Word of God. And there is this laying open, unscrolled on his lap, in his chariot, 
He's reading Isaiah 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened his his mouth. What in the world is Isaiah talking about? In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Who Who is Isaiah speaking of? And Philip comes just at that time. Do you understand what you're reading? And the opening eunuch says to him, How can I unless someone guides me? Can't help here but think about those travelers on the way to Emmaus who were struggling too with, with the fact that Jesus had to die and suffer and die. And, and Jesus is walking alongside with them in his resurrected body. And there, there he, he, he teaches them how all of the scriptures point to him and what he has done and how, how he is risen indeed. And so Philip does the same thing. He directs the Ethiopian eunuch just as the Word of God does to Jesus Christ. That's the message. He preached the Lord Jesus Christ as the servant of the Lord. The one who would come, who would be so disfigured and so so forsaken of men, and even of God Himself, as He bore the iniquity of us all, who was led as a sheep to the slaughter. I would love to have been a fly on the wall of that chariot, wouldn't of you? To hear how Philip preached Jesus. How Philip reminded him. Maybe I'm just speculating now. How he took him to Genesis chapter 3. Recognized that everything was created perfectly, but then sin entered the world. And yet God comes with his promises. To, to, to show indeed that, that seed would come to crush the head of the serpent and how blood would need to be shed to pay the price of sin and how all of the blood in the Old Testament and all of the sacrifices and all the burnt offerings that he hoped to witness in Jerusalem, they all pointed to the Lord Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And God so received and blessed what Christ has done and approved of what Christ has done that He raised Him from the dead and prolonged His days. And He's given Him the reward of His people. Who are those people, might have the Ethiopian eunuch said? Well, those are who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. For there is forgiveness with God that He might be feared. Might have he even pointed him and assured him that this gospel will go to the ends of the world and that the gospel is even for you, an Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe he he unscrolled the scroll a little ways and come to where we signify Isaiah 56. If, If you have your Bibles open, turn there. Isaiah 56. Maybe, maybe Philip said to him. Look at Isaiah 56, verse 3. You were in Jerusalem and you weren't really well received, but look what Isaiah says. 
Do not let the son of the foreigner who joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. He says the gospel is also for you, an Ethiopian eunuch. Look at what verse 4 says. This is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give my house and within my walls a place and a better name than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Even the sons of foreigners, they'll join themselves to the Lord to serve Him. And He will bring them to His holy mountain and into His house of prayer. He gathers the outcasts. Is that what, I, is that what Philip maybe drew him to? I don't know. But it's certainly fitting that three chapters later you read these words. One thing is certain. He preached Jesus Christ alone and the Word alone from the Word alone to an unworthy sinner, and it produced results. Results. Distinct results of Spirit-worked regeneration. That's what we need today. God, God has, in His divine appointment, brought us all right here. He's brought you as a class to this point. He's brought each one of us, whether visitor friend, family member, or congregant. He's brought us all here by His divine appointment. Maybe discouraged, maybe not. It's not a qualification. But He brings us here by divine appointment. And He brings us the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to put us in that vice and to say, you must be saved. And salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus to you and to me? You see, a confession of who Jesus is is really that spirit worked result, that distinct result that comes in way of confession. And so that's what we see in our third point. A confession from a discouraged traveler through divine appointment, and it produces distinct results. The first distinct result is this, is faith. As uh, they were going down the road, they came to some water. Philip must have been teaching him about baptism and what it mean to be incorporated into Christ, into his death, and into his resurrection. And he says to Philip, what, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And there comes this confession of faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That faith was evident by a desire to be baptized. Remember at this time there was no one in their households who were baptized and so when you made confession, you and your household were generally baptized. Think of the example of that, the Philippian jailer who had a very similar confession as, as this Ethiopian eunuch. 
The confession is what matters. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe? What does it mean to believe? Do we believe that Jesus is the one who is the promised Messiah who has come to be the Christ? To be the one who fulfills all that the Old Testament pointed to? To come to save His people from their sins? That's exactly what His name means. The one who comes as a real man in order that justice, the justice and the wrath of God could be satisfied. The one who came to be really God, the Son of God, to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death, to earn our righteousness. This is a suitable Savior. This is a sufficient Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the confession that every saint confesses in their lives. It's not about having faith in your faith. It's not about having faith in your church. It's not about having faith in what the pastor all taught us in the last year. It's not about having faith in anything else other than grounded in this confession, faith in Jesus Christ. He is everything I need for an unworthy Gentile sinner. That's faith. The faith that Philip was drawing out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that testimony is evident, There is nothing, absolutely nothing hindering us from knowing that we are in Christ and we are secure in Him. The first distinct result is faith. The second is joy. As Philip is taken away by the Spirit, this Ethiopian eunuch goes rejoicing back to Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. He does so with great joy. There's great joy for this Ethiopian. Oh, what joy must have filled the heart of Philip even. Oh, what joy there must have been in heaven when one sinner repents, even this Ethiopian eunuch. What joy there is for us today as we hear and see in God's Word the truth of His promises. That in Abraham all the nations of the world will be blessed. Maybe the Ethiopian eunuch remembers what he read in Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. Here I am in the midst of this desert place. And it's rejoicing with life. You can hear him singing with joy, can't you? On the highway of holiness. Even in the midst of the desert. Just as I am. An Ethiopian Gentile eunuch. With every barrier broken down. Now to be thine, yea, thine alone, O Lamb of God. I come. I come. What faith 
What joy. But also, could you imagine the witness? The joyful witness that he gave to all those who were around him. It was highly unlikely that the Ethiopian eunuch was alone. He might have been on a desert road, but I doubt he was alone. Would have been terribly dangerous for someone, a man of his influence especially, to be traveling alone on such a deserted road. And so the caravan that was along with him, traveling with him, witnessing his discouragement, witnessing his frustration, and now to be filled with joy. Maybe they even overheard some of the counsel and some of the preaching of Philip. Maybe they witnessed the baptism. Maybe they witnessed the Holy Spirit taking Philip away before he could even continue to minister to all of them. And yet, the Ethiopian eunuch possibly even ministered to them and gave his testimony of faith to them. We don't know. We don't know from Scripture exactly how it happened. But we do know from the testimony of church history of the effects of the gospel in Africa. Could this have been the catalyst for God's mighty work in Africa? It shines as a beacon declaring that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is going to the ends of the earth. And Philip, one who's directed by God to some insignificant eunuch, eunuch, may seem insignificant, but there's really nothing insignificant about God's divine plan, is there? If we look at church history, we recognize some of the greatest or men who were blessed the greatest by the power of the Holy Spirit and by God Himself come from Africa. Athanasius, Cyprian, Tertullian, Augustine. And maybe you don't know these names, but just know this. These are theologians, people who were moved by God and by the power of His Holy Spirit, who stood firm in God's Word and for God's truth in the midst of heresy, and wrote biblical creeds and confessions and systematic theologies that are a benefit for the world yet today and caused great reformations throughout history. My point is this. God's divine appointment produces distinct results. And one of those is to testify and confess, even as our Confession of Faith class did today, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we do, as those who are partakers of Christ's anointing, the, part, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we confess Him to the world around us, from God's perspective, He will produce these results. That's the confidence we have in the gospel. A confidence to believe it. A confidence to trust it. A confidence to proclaim it. A confidence to live it. To live it before our peers. To live it before our children. To live it before the world around us. And let God accomplish His eternal plan. 
and saving sinners unto himself so that they also might have faith and joy and witness. What happens? The church grows exponentially under the blessing of God. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you? Amen.